0: That is good, good, good stuff. <laughs> I told them this morning at 9, I prayed that prayer. I led the church in Charleston through the prayer of Jabez in the month of January of last year. And we asked God to bless us, and we asked God to enlarge our territory and keep God's hand upon us and not let evil harm us. And look where I stand. All right. Prayer changes things, folks. Prayer changes things. God will enlarge your territory if you just ask him. Be careful what you ask. Pray with me. God, thank you. (laughs) God, thank you. (laughs) But regardless of what your plan, you've brought us to such a time as this. And as we open your word and as we share together, God, I just ask that you enlarge our territory and that you increase What you've given us, God, and I just ask that you use me. Set me aside, God, and speak through me so your people can hear your word and hear you calling them forward as you've called each of us. Thank you, God, for what you'll do in this place. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit. And for the glory of God, have your way in this place in our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, who gives us hope. Amen. Amen. I'll begin as Reverend Kristen began last week. Welcome to the wilderness. Or perhaps welcome back to the wilderness where we'll begin this 40 days of journeying through the wilderness as we prepare for this season and as we prepare for resurrection. During this season, we are making our way through that book, The WayWords, daily itinerary for Lent. And we're doing this in our Lenten study groups, and we're doing this individually. And I'm asking that we reflect today. Last week, we reflected on holy foundations. But I'm asking this week that you consider with me the topic, Godward callings. We began our Ash Wednesday service this year with the scripture reading that Wayne read this morning when God called Abram and bid him to go from his country to the land that God would show him. And then in verse 4 that we did not read, it goes on to say, So Abram went. Last Sunday, Reverend Kristen led us on Jesus' initial journey from his baptism where she said, The heavens ripped apart, thus demonstrating to us that there was no longer separation between heaven and earth, no longer separation between God and humanity. Then she said that, Jesus heard God's confirmation on his calling, on his mission, and Jesus was reminded by God that God was well pleased with him and his willingness to go and share. And now we hear God saying the same thing and receiving that same confirmation as she led us by saying God was well pleased with us, and I would suggest God wants us to keep going. She reminded us that the Gospel of Mark starts right if, right after that commendation to this part of the scripture that says and immediately the spirit led jesus into the wilderness for 40 days where he was tempted by satan and ministered to by the angels hmm from baptism to wilderness to temptation ever been there Then Reverend Kristen said that following Jesus' time in the desert, he left that wilderness and went to Galilee where he proclaimed the good news, saying, The time is fulfilled, and the realm of God is at hand. Come near, repent, she said. Turn toward God, not away from God, and believe the good news. We left here inspired, didn't we? When she was preaching, didn't you want to just jump up and start shouting, Lord, I'm turning toward you. And I want you to know that I know now you are well pleased with me. And then didn't you want to leave here sharing that good news? I know you did. I know, I know you all did, leaving, sharing good news that God was well pleased and had a task for us to do. Abram, in our scripture lesson for this morning from Genesis, left his own baptism of sorts the comforts and familiarity of home, and he left for the unfamiliar and potentially uncomfortable land that God was going to show him. Somehow, without an heir and with no real roadmap, Abram believed the promises of God, that God would give him an offspring that he did not have as of yet, and that God would provide through that offspring and use his family that God declared without number even the grains of sand on the ground to change the world. So Abram set out to follow God's calling. That takes a lot of guts, doesn't it? God was blessing him and enlarging his territory for sure, just as the gospel ensemble just reminded us. But if you think about it, throughout the scripture, God has called many unlikely characters out of their comfort zones and into places where their territory would be enlarged and where they would be used by God to change the world. Consider Moses, born in the midst of poverty and the atmosphere of genocide. His mother, in order to save his life, shipped him down the river, and he ended up in, of all places, Pharaoh's palace, where he grew up amid privilege in that home. And then when he became an adult and having left the comforts of that palace living, he being a Hebrew witnessed an Egyptian beating a fellow Hebrew, one of his own people. And so what does Moses do? He kills him. One who early in life had escaped his own death, had caused the death of another. You know how the story goes, somebody say, God can use anybody. (laughs) They're my backup, can you tell? (laughs) We didn't even practice that. After some time had passed. (laughs) The scripture in Exodus goes on to tell us that Moses was then keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. That's a cool name, isn't it, Jethro? (laughs) While on the Mount of Horeb, an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses. And of all things, the flame of a bush that was burning, yet was not consumed. Tell me God won't just use anybody to spread the good news, but God will use anything. A burning bush. Can you believe it? God is amazing. And as Moses turned aside to see this great thing, God said to him, I have seen the misery of my people who are amidst slavery in Egypt. I have heard their cries, and I know of their suffering, and I have come to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up to that good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So come, I will send you, Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Isn't that amazing? Moses was called back to the place from which he had come. Sometimes God takes us back to an experience that we've already had to help someone else who is just now experiencing it. God can use anybody to do something amazing. It may seem at first glance that the most amazing thing was that God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. And though that is quite impressive, I think the more amazing thing is that God called someone like Moses to deliver God's people. Moses had obviously made his share of mistakes, and he was no religious scholar, he was no community leader. He was simply a shepherd, and yet had grown up in Egypt and had navigated that terrain. And so God sent him back there to help God's people. Bruce Wilkinson said in our contemporary reading for this morning from the prayer of Jabez, Our God specializes in working through normal people who believe in a super-normal God, who will do God's work through them. When we ask God to enlarge our territory, God will bring opportunities and people into our lives. God can send any person. God will send any person. And God does send God's people. That's point number one. I forgot to do the disclaimer. I'm a Baptist, so I always have three points. That's point number one. (laughs) Point number two is this. God can use any situation. Consider the story of a little girl named Tess and her bold request for a miracle. Tess was a precocious eight-year-old little girl, and one day she overheard her parents talking in a very serious, quite somber tone about her little brother, Andrew. Tess didn't understand everything that they were saying, but she... Got the gist of it, her little brother Andrew was very, very sick, and they were completely out of money. She heard her parents discussing that they would have to move out of their house and rent a small apartment because they didn't have enough money to pay all the doctor bills and the house payment as well. And on top of that, from what the doctors had told them, only a very expensive surgery could potentially help Andrew, and they didn't know anyone who had any money to lend them. Then Tess heard her overly discouraged dad say to her extremely tearful mother in a whispered desperation, only a miracle can save Andrew now. Tess heard this, ran to her room and pulled out a jelly glass jar that was in its hiding place in the closet. She came out of the closet, poured the contents of that on the floor and counted those coins carefully. She then put the change back in the jar, put the jar under her arm, and slipped out the back door and down the street to the Rexall drugstore that was six blocks away. When she had arrived at the pharmacy, the pharmacist on duty was talking to a well-dressed man over in the corner, and they were intently talking, and at first he didn't notice little Tess standing there. She waited patiently for a while and then (coughs) dramatically cleared her throat, but to no avail. The pharmacist had not noticed her. Finally, she got tired of waiting and decided to get the pharmacist's attention by taking one of those quarters out of that little jar and tapping it on the counter. That did it. The pharmacist acknowledged her and said, Just a minute, I'm talking to my brother from Chicago, whom I haven't seen for ages. Well, Tess said, I want to talk to you about my brother. He's really, really sick, and I want to buy a miracle. Without much of a breath, she continued her story despite his seeming disinterest in her as he continued his conversation with his brother. His name is Andrew, she said, and he has something growing inside his head. And my daddy says only a miracle can save him now. So I want to know, how much does a miracle cost? I have the money here to pay for it. It's all I've saved, and if it isn't enough, I'll try to get the rest. Just tell me how much a miracle costs. The pharmacist's brother, moved by the compassion and the boldness of this little girl, had stopped listening to his sibling and had started listening to little Tess. He stooped down and asked the sweet, well-intended child with an obviously great big heart, "'What kind of miracle does your brother need?' "'Well, I'm not sure,' she replied with her eyes welling up. "'I just know he's really, really sick, and my mommy says he needs an operation, "'but my parents don't have any money to pay for it, so I want to use my money.' How much do you have? asked the well dressed man from Chicago. $1.11, she said loudly and proudly. It's all the money I have in the world, and I can get more if I need to. Well, you're in luck, the man said with a smile. $1.11 is the exact price for a miracle for little brothers. He took the money jar in one hand, and with his other hand, he took hold of her mitten and said, Take me to where you live. I want to see your brother and meet your parents. Let's see if I have the kind of miracle you need. That well-dressed man from Chicago was Dr. Carlton Armstrong, who just happened to be a noted neurosurgeon. He had been in the right place at the right time and agreed to perform the operation that little Andrew needed at no charge. The surgery was successful, and after it was completed, it was not long until Andrew was up and about and doing well. Tess... Mom and Dad were so grateful. They were talking one night about the chain of events that had occurred that had ended up saving their little boy's life. That surgery, Tess's mom said, was the real miracle. And then she said, I just wonder how much it would have really cost. Tess smiled. She knew exactly how much a miracle cost. One dollar and 11 cents. One dollar and 11 cents plus the skill and the graciousness of a wonderful doctor, and, of course, the precious sacrificial love of a little eight-year-old big sister. God can use any situation. God can use any person in any situation to bring about good in another person's life. I would suggest today that God can take any circumstance and work it together for our good. But furthermore, God calls each of us to use what we have and only what we have to make a difference in this world. I told him this morning, God's not going to ask me to be Cassandra and lead the choir and sing for y'all to hear me. God's not going to ask me, thank God, and God's not going to ask me to play the organ as like Joel does. I can only play Sweet Hour of Prayer because it's in the key of C, and that's the only thing I can play. God's not going to ask me for that. But I can talk. In fact, I can talk to a brick wall, so God has asked me to talk. So here you sit listening. God can use any situation. And God calls us to use what God has given us to use. God will never ask you to give something you do not have. Little Tess broke up in her piggy bank and gave its entire contents to save her little brother. And you might say, well, that's not a lot, a dollar and 11 cents. It doesn't seem like much at all. Yet it was all she had. And this little girl gave everything at her disposal. And in turn, God used her and this precious, quite small gift to save her little brother's life. The surgeon donated his services, which may not seem like a big deal. We think, oh, he's got lots of money. He could have charged lots of money for that surgery and was willing to do it pro bono. He gave what he had to help save another. Perhaps he was standing at the edge of his own wilderness and heard God calling him, amidst the sounds of a little girl asking for assistance and was able to help in a way that only he could. That was his burning bush. Saints, God will use any situation to bring about greater good for God's people. It's a great story. It's powerful because it reminds us in a dramatic way that the Spirit of Christ can call and commission us can empower and enable us to be a willing vessel to bring about hope and help for other people, even in the midst of their own wildernesses. Moses and Tess and this doctor are living proof that God can call, and not only call, but God can use any person, and God can utilize any situation. And so lastly, not only does God use any person and utilize any situation, but God can operate in any place. I just moved here, we just moved here last year. It's not been long and and I don't still know how to get many places I can get to the Walmart that's across the street and I know how to get to the church and that's pretty much it. So yeah. But I ventured, I looked in the phone book, I needed my hair cut about a month ago and I ventured through the phone book and found a salon right near where we live and they were open on Mondays, which is kind of unheard of, and I called to make an appointment and scheduled it for the next morning at at 9 o'clock. So on Tuesday, I go up to this shop and I, I go in and there's only two other people in the place and they ask my name and I tell them I had an appointment at 9 and she's looking in the computer and she can't find anything. and and she said do you remember who it was with and I said no honestly I don't I just remember it was this morning at nine o'clock and she kept looking and she finally found it it was Thursday at nine o'clock not Tuesday in the computer so she looked back and this young girl was standing back there and she said could you possibly just go ahead and cut her hair since you don't have anybody just yet and the girl said oh yeah come on back so I go back and we're at the shampoo place and She's shampooing my hair, and she's talking about, you know, how'd you find us? And I told her it was in the phone book. I was not really familiar with many places. And she'd asked, you know, what all I had seen in Houston. And I said, not much. I pretty much know where the Walmart is, and I know where my church is. And she said, where's your church? And I said, it's in the Heights. And she said, where? And I said, at the corner of 11th and T.C. Jester. She kept washing for a minute, and then she said, do you go to Resurrection? Seriously, this she knows about resurrection. I'm in Summerwood, and she's talking about resurrection. And she said, "I said, yeah." And she said, "Oh, my partner and I go there sometimes." <laughs> Are you for real? And I was like, "Well, you have to come again." Oh, okay, we will. <laughs> Gotta use any place, any place, like the hair salon. And then you won't believe this one. I went to the Petco. Any place. The pet goes right across the street from the Walmart, which is where I know where it is, right? <laughs> so I can make it there. And I called and made an appointment for Jethro and Penry to have their hair cut. <laughs> I get there. Their appointment's at 8 o'clock, 8.05, 8.10. I'm still standing outside with my two dogs. 8.15, the manager comes in to unlock the door. The little man that was the groomer for the day was out there with me, and we were having a little conversation, had a good time, and anyway, he treated my dogs, and then when I came back two or three hours later to pick them up, he took me to the front desk to pay for my dog's haircuts, and um, he said, I'm going to get you a discount because you had to wait so long. I was like, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask, but I'm glad you're doing it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make me wait, please. Anyway, so... I'm standing there, and the lady asked what my name was to pull me up in the computer so she could put, you know, ring me up there. And I said, my name is Terry Steve. And he said, what's your name? And I said, Terry Steve. He said, are you a minister at resurrection? (laughs) And I said, well, sort of. And he said, (laughs) he said, my Mother goes there. (laughs) I said, who is your mother? (laughs) And he said, Angelique. And I was like, Angelique, I love Angelique. She's one of my favorite people. (laughs) And he said, she shared something that you wrote on Facebook, and she commented and tagged you in the post and said, thank you, Terry Steed, for inspiring us with these words, or something to that effect. And he remembered my name on her post on Facebook. God can use Petco and Facebook. (laughs) Anything, Saints, anything. And when I said, oh, I love Angelique, and he said she was a godsend to me when I was homeless a few years ago, and she helped me and was such an inspiration to me at the Petco. I'm in front of someone. I lived in Charleston for almost four years. There's only max 600,000 people in that place. And anywhere I went, nobody ever asked me, Are you the minister at MCC Charleston? Nobody ever asked me that. But I come to the fourth largest city in the country where there's four million some people around here. And the two places I go, they know about Resurrection MCC. That's good stuff. God can use any place to share the good news, even places that you unexpect and people you unexpect. God uses somebody like Moses and a little girl with a dollar and 11 cents. And God uses someone like Angelique and a homeless kid to spread good news in the city of Houston. So, as we stand on the edge of the wilderness, in the periphery of society where most of us marginalized people live, What do we now hear God calling us to do? Is God calling us to continue feeding the hungry with our food pantry? Is God calling us to clothe the naked from our clothes closet? Is God calling us to support those in our community who are HIV positive by participating next weekend in the AIDS walk? Or is God calling Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church to march in solidarity throughout the streets of downtown Houston, seeking marriage equality for all God's children who long to marry the love of their lives and have that commitment honored by our government? Or can we be like Brenda Daltrey and in the midst of her own life challenges plant a beautiful garden right outside our facility to remind us of the beauty and the preciousness of life God uses what we have at our disposal to help. Or, if you were here for the Psy Summit a a, a couple weekends ago when Reverend Elder Ken Martin was here, and he told us about this, where else can we share the beautiful diversity in the church world than in a place like MCC? Where else are you going to find Catholics going to the same communion table as Methodists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and Pentecostals? Where do you find that? Where else can Church of God and Christ folks and Baptist folks sing the same gospel songs during worship service? Where else can you find such a rich diversity? Look around you. Look around. God's people are beautiful and around us, and nowhere else are you going to find such rich diversity as a place like MCC. Saints, God is calling us to this and so much more. As we stand at the edge of our wilderness and as you stand at the edge of your own, I ask you to listen carefully and watch intently to what God is calling you to do. You see, you are uniquely gifted and also adequately prepared to change your world. Likewise, we are, as a community of faith, uniquely gifted and adequately prepared to change our world. I promise Your calling will include God's blessing, and you can count on God if you ask him to enlarge your territory. God calls and can use any person. God calls and can utilize any situation. And God calls and can operate in any place. God is calling us, both individually and collectively, to enlarge our territory. And God is calling us to a great work in this church, in this city, and in the world. I'm ready to go and change the world. You coming with me? Amen. Amen. Amen.